Bibles. We're not going to use them, but let's open them up to 1 John chapter 2. Whenever you hear that, get up and run. Alright, get up and run. Um, it, it's amazing. I, I, um, I've been there, you've been there, and let's just all be honest with each other this morning. I'm going to ask you a tough question, and I want a true, honest answer. It's a, it's, a, it's a lighter weekend. There's some people who are gone, some people who are sick, and so we get to be more uh, intimate here today. And let's, let me ask you a question, and I want an honest answer. Have you ever been duped? All right. Have you ever been duped? How many here have been duped before? All right. Sold something that you thought was going to be it, and it wasn't it. Um, bought something on Amazon and something else came. You thought it was going to be a certain thing here. Somebody told you something and you believed it and found out it was a lie. And uh, there's many ways that you can be duped. Um, and, and here's what's interesting. I, in Argentina, they, you have to really be careful with money and um, because a lot of the money that they have there is fake, right? And, and how can you tell fake money? Well, I was there, and somehow, I forget exactly how this all happened, somebody gave me a fake $10 bill. And so to remind me, I put it in my wallet. There, we didn't use dollar bills as much. We used just pesos, so I kept it in my wallet. But then when I got back here to the States, I said, I better take this out of my wallet. I don't want to give it to anyone. So I put it in my glove box, and I forget about it. And about a year goes by, I open up the glove, I go, look what God provides. I got $10 here. Unbelievable. So I go to Taco Bell right over here, and I pull out that $10 that I found in my glove box that I'm thinking God provided, and I forgot all about that. It was a fake $10 bill. And I try to pay for my Taco Bell. And the lady goes, I'll be right back. She goes in there, she comes back. She goes, sir, this is a fake $10 bill. I says, oh, oh, now I remember. I brought it from Argentina. Can I have it back? No, sir. We have to report this. Now I can just see the headline. Pastor gets arrested at Taco Bell for using fake money. That's really going to help our ministry here, isn't it? Yeah. And I totally, I mean, I'm, now I'm starting to sweat bullets. I'm like, ma'am, it was a mistake. I didn't mean to give you the $10. I'm telling you, I wasn't trying to dupe you. Believe me when I tell you, sir, we cannot give this back. We have to report this. Wow. Wow, unbelievable. Um, who she reported it to, I don't know. I never did get a call or anything like that. So praise the Lord for that. But if something does happen to me, now you know why. Right? I used that, that $10. I was duped. And I had it in there and I forgot all about it. And I tried to use it. And I'm glad that she wasn't. How she figured it out is amazing. But she figured it out. People say there's different ways. You can look at the numbers. You can look at the line. You can look at all these things. I don't have time for that. $10 looks like 10 bucks. You know what I mean? goes in my wallet. I don't, I don't check every bill. And uh, sometimes I get irritated when you go to a store and you give them a bill and they're sitting there for a minute, you know. All right, let me see here. Okay. All right, here. All right, yeah. Come on. I'm not going to give you a fake. Well, maybe I will. But anyway, um, how, do you, how, do you, how do you figure out if somebody's a fake preacher or not? You hold them up to the light? Mm -hmm. See what's, uh, you know, this is a fake teaching or something? Um, I was blown away. Somebody said their two favorite, we can't even make these things up, two favorite preachers in the world. Are you ready for this? John MacArthur and Joel Osteen. 
John MacArthur and Joe Holstein. Dead serious answer. Hey, two favorites. I love to listen to, the person said. Wow, how do we get to that? The problem is, is we don't have discernment. If we're honest here today. And that's why I love, I love this passage. This is incredible. In fact, I was going to do it all in one shot here, but we're going to, we were talking to Brian and everything. I said, Brian, this is really, this is a really tough passage here um, to go through. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through it a little bit slower. We're just going to get to verse 21 today because it's Labor Day weekend and, um, and, and you guys want to go home and have your hamburgers tomorrow and everything. And so we're going to go to verse 21 today and then Lord willing, we're going to go to the verses 24 and on after uh, next week. So we're going to look at this and how we can identify these people. How can we really know who they, who they are and what they believe? And then we can, we're going to go on to what they teach here next week as well. But I love how he starts this off because he's not mad here. He's not angry. We can get angry at these preachers and stuff and we can start ripping on people and start yelling and screaming and, and mention all them. He starts off with a beautiful word, children. This is a word used of somebody like a parent to a child, or we can say this, like a grandparent to a child. You ever have those grandfather, grandson talks? I, it made me think of my grandfather. I used to sit in his room and he had, he had his stuff there that he would have every day, you know, that my grandfather needed. His Paul Malls. He needed his Seagram 7. And he needed his coffee. And he would sit there and he would give me wisdom, believe it or not. And he would open up his heart. I remember those talks, you know, there were unbelievable talks that we would have. And he would talk about all kinds of things in life and, and different things. And, and, and he's sitting here, he's not, he doesn't have his Paul Moore Seagram 7 or coffee, but what he does have is his Bible. And he says, children, I want to talk to you, somebody who's really affectionate to me, who I, I really love as a, a parent loves a child. I want you to know something here. You ready for this? It is the last hour. The last hour. Now, one amen. You guys are... It is the last hour. You know what that means? Now, he's not talking about a literal hour here. I've been in some long hours. You guys are about to experience a very long hour. <laughs> I've been in a long hour in a doctor's office. Long hours in school, waiting for that course to be done. Long hours and a lot of lectures. He's not talking about one hour here. In fact, this term is unique just to John here when he talks about the last hour. Really, he's talking about the end times. When, when did this hour start? The first coming of Christ. When does it end? The second coming of Christ. But what we don't understand about this hour, I love what Worsby says here. The last hour or the last times are phrases that describe a kind of time, not a duration of time. God is not on Eastern Standard Time. God is not on Central Time. God, if He's on anything, He's on Mountain Time. Amen? All right? he, he's not on these, these time changes or these time things. God doesn't use our clocks. So it's not, it's not talking about a, 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 a duration of time. It's talking about a kind of time. We are in the last times. And what he's talking about is this. Is, it's intensifying the last times. It's, it's getting worse the last times. Why? Look at this here. In, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. But realize this, that in the last days, guess what? 
difficult times will come. It's getting harder, not easier, to live for Christ. It's getting harder each day that we want to live for Christ. The longer he waits to come back, the harder it is getting. In fact, look what he says here in verse 13. But evil men and imposters, there they are, fakes, will proceed from what? Bad to what? Worse. And here's what they're doing. They're deceiving and they're being deceived. Are you ready for this? When I got here as a pastor, only seven years, a little bit over seven years ago, we used to have a good news club. Remember that? And we could invite kids from the, from the high school, and the, I mean, from the uh, elementary school, and we'd have a good news club and everything. Do you know what they have now? Uh, in, in, in the United States here, you know what they have? They have an after-school Satan club. Listen to this. Where they're handing out flyers to invite people to their Satan club. And listen to what the person says. We're not trying to endorse Satanism or criticize other religious organizations. Our club focuses on critical thinking and scientific rationalism. Some parents were appalled that their children came home with Satan invitations to a Satan club. Now you know why schools are scared to have good news clubs. They don't know what kind of clubs that are going to come into their schools. And so they're saying, we won't have any clubs. That's what schools are saying now. We don't want any of them in. We don't want the good news. We don't want the same club. We don't want any of them in. Because if we let one in, we got to let the other in. And, and parents are appalled. That's the world we're living in now. It is not getting better. And, and they're deceiving and being deceived. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. We know that we're in the last hour. Amen. And we know that the more, the worse it gets, the closer we are to Jesus coming. And here's what he says here. He says, children, it is the last hour. And, and, and here's what's coming here. This is amazing. Just as you have heard that, look at verse 18 again. The Antichrist is coming. Now, when we hear those words, those scare us. We think, oh, who is this Antichrist? Who is this, 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 is, this, this anti, uh, what, what does it mean, Antichrist? And we have all different terms, and people try to di uh, identify who they are. Some said it was Ronald Reagan. He's the anti. Others said it was George Bush. A lot of people said Donald Trump is the Antichrist. Now some are saying it's Joe Biden's the Antichrist. Right? I saw a few shaking their heads. We kind of got to go on here. <laughs> Who is this Antichrist? Here's what's interesting. The word Antichrist literally means one of two things. It means somebody who puts themselves in place of Christ or somebody who opposes Christ. Now, don't miss this. Anti can mean in place of or opposition to. So an antichrist is somebody who sets himself up in the place of Jesus or somebody who sets themselves up in opposition to Jesus. Right? Now notice this here in verse 18. You heard that the antichrist is coming. Singular. Now don't miss this. This is the end world ruler that comes. And it has different names in the Bible. Interesting that John is the one that calls him the Antichrist. And we read Revelation, he's called the beast. 
We read Paul, he's called the man of lawlessness or the son of destruction. But this is this end world ruler who is energized by Satan himself, who puts himself in the place of Jesus Christ and demands that other people would worship him and, and bow down to him and live for him and, and opposes everything that Christ teaches. Singular, antichrist, he will come. Now, we have many antichrists. You say, wait a minute. There's one who is coming, that ruler. But right now we have many, what? Antichrists. You know what he's saying here? There are many people in this world. Ever since John wrote his epistle, many people in this world who oppose the teaching of Christ, who try to put themselves in the place of Jesus Christ. There's many people that are false teachers out there. Many of them. Yes. Somebody says, well, why don't you name a few? I'd be here all night <laughs> naming them. They're out there. They, they, and, and you say, how do I figure them out? How do I identify them? How do I know who they are? How do I know? Well, look at verse 19. How do we identify them? Here's, here's, here's how we do it. This is a powerful verse. Here's how we identify them. They went out from us. Here it is. Notice this here. This is a, what a verse this is. This is an incredible verse. The us there is not talking about all of us as believers. It's talking about the apostles. It's talking about the ones that started churches and, and had sound teaching. So there's a departure that goes away from sound teaching. There's a departure that goes away from sound churches. There's a departure that goes away from what the apostles taught. They went out from us. Now don't miss this. But they were really, never really of us. For if they would have been of us, they would have what? Remained with us. So how can you tell that somebody is in opposition of Jesus Christ? There is a departure that happens. Now watch this. From three things. And this should set alarms off in all of our minds when we hear these things or see these things. There's a departure. MacArthur mentions three of them. Those who are generally born again endure in what? Faith. There is a departure from their trust in Jesus Christ. Their faith is not in Christ alone. Their faith is in something else. They no longer believe in the true Jesus Christ and what he has done, died on the cross, was buried and rose again. They've departed from that trust. So there's a departure. There's a departure from, notice the second thing there, from fellowship. They're no longer part of Bible preaching churches. There is a departure from that. They, they, they no longer believe. They don't trust in Christ. They don't, they, there's a departure from, from Bible preaching churches. They don't want to be part of God's people. And there's a departure from what? The truth. They distort the truth. Now, let me be careful. I'm going to explain this a little bit more. This does not mean that every time somebody leaves a good church, they're the Antichrist. That'd be fun preaching, wouldn't it? What happened to so-and-so? Well, that Antichrist left us. Let me tell you about that Antichrist. Just got mad at us and left. That has nothing to do with this. Some people get mad that the pastor parts his hair differently and leaves churches. Doesn't mean they're Antichrist. It's sad to see, but it happens. But there are people who do come, who sit where you're sitting, 
who do not believe in Jesus Christ, that sooner or later they just can't take it anymore to be around God's people or to hear the truth and they depart and say, you know what, I don't believe in anything, I just want to live my own life. Bing, 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 alarm should be going off. You say, what does that mean? <laughs> Let me show you what a mega church pastor said recently. And not only that, somebody who wrote books that I have read and enjoyed. Watch what he says here. Look at this. He, he, he gives out an announcement that he's leaving his wife. And after he gives out an announcement, he says, I left out a part in our announcement. Look at this. The information that was left out of our announcement is that I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my what? Faith in Jesus. Listen to this. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. Now watch what he says. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian, he says. Now, if one of you guys were to say that to me, I'd be shocked. But if one of my pastor friends were to say that to me, I'd be on the floor. And this is a pastor. He says, I am no longer a Christian. I have, I, have, I have thought about what I believe and it just doesn't fit with what the Bible says and I am no longer a Christian. <laughs> Listen to this. Many people tell me that there's a different way to practice faith and I want to remain open to this, but I'm not there now. Totally said he no longer believes in anything. Now, why, what does that mean? Does it mean he lost his salvation? Does it mean he had it and doesn't have it now? Look what John tells us what it means. It means right there in the passage what it means. Here's what it means. It means this. They would have remained for us, but they went out so that it would be shown, what? That they all are not of us. Here's what it means. It shows the true colors. Here's what it means. It shows that they never really had it. Here's what it means. It means that there's some people in our midst that, that sit and enjoy our earthly company but never have our Heavenly Father. Here's what it means. It means that their departing exposes who they really are. How do we handle something like that? Well, some people once asked me, so what's the, what's the difference between um, Argentina and America when it comes to churches? I'll tell you the difference, one of the big differences that blew my mind when I got here. In Argentina, it's very hard because they're, 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 they're agnostic, they're atheists, they, they don't want to go to church, they don't believe in church, they can care less about church. But once they get saved, then they're pretty much the real deal when they come to church. In America, you have that in the church. One of my first Sundays here as pastor, I'll never forget, a young man was sitting in, 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 the, in the pews, we had pews back there. And as I'm about to teach Sunday school, he was 19 or 20, I forget how old he was at the time. I'm about to teach Sunday school, he looks at me and he goes, you know what? I don't believe any of this stuff. This kid's been coming to church, I don't know how many years he's here. And he goes, I don't believe any of this. Here he is sitting, enjoying our earthly company. He doesn't have our heavenly birth. That blew my mind. See, in Argentina, to get them to church was the hard part, but once you got them there, they were real. Here was, wow, this kid's sitting here every Sunday, and he looks at me and he says, I don't believe anything you're about to say. 
Oh, I didn't even get to teach the lesson yet. Look what Alistair Begg says. There are some people who share for a while our earthly company who do not share our heavenly birth. So what do we do with people like that? Well, we pray for them, one. And two, we share the gospel lovingly to them because they need Jesus. Don't be excited just because they're sitting in a pew. I walk into a doghouse, I don't become a dog. We walk into a church, we don't become Christians. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. But sooner or later, their true colors are... Are, are, we see them. And we're like, wow, I thought that person was okay. I thought they were part of a good church. But they just depart and they say, I don't believe anything. I don't want to be with God's people. I don't, I don't believe. And they start telling you things that aren't true. Those are red flags. And, and praise God that that, that, that that hasn't happened to you. And if it has happened, and I think we all could say we know people like that. What do we do with them? We pray for them and then we kindly and lovingly show them what a true relationship with Jesus Christ is all about. And we exhort them to come to Christ. You say, I could never do that. Oh, this is where John, this is a beautiful passage. Look at this. He says this, but you have an anointing, look at verse 20, from the Holy One. Don't miss this. This is beautiful. I love this. You have an anointing from where? The Holy One. Check. Where's my water bottle? Thank you. I'm going to start throwing water on everyone. <laughs> Ever been to churches like that? God bless you. Don't hold up the iPad. I don't want to burn it out. You ever, I've only been to churches like that. They throw water on you. You know what that does to you? Get you wet. That's it. See, we got a good church here. What does the water do? Nothing. But you know, back then, they would anoint a lot of things. They would anoint people. They would anoint objects. And they would anoint them. And what does it mean to be anointed? It's an interesting word. It's chrisma. Right? Remember, antichrist, antichristos. He's using a, a word play here. He goes, chrisma. You have the anointing. What does that mean? Well, here's what he's going to say. In the, in the Old Testament, they would anoint things and people, anoint kings. They would anoint priests. They would anoint different. And, and when they were anointed, they were set apart by God and had a special mission for God. And they were given a special, uh, we could say, grace by God or power by God and to enable them to do their functions. We have that. You want to know his name? The Holy Spirit. The moment we get saved, praise God, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we have a built-in lie detector. And we have been set apart by God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is called Jesus the Anointed or Jesus Christ or Jesus Messiah, the word Christ and Messiah mean anointed one. We are anointed from God the Father. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. You say, how do I know that? Well, you've been there. You hear some sermons and inside of you, you're burning. Yeah, amen, hallelujah, praise God. That's the Holy Spirit. And then sometimes you hear things and you're like, he said what? <laughs> That's out to lunch. 
That's not what the Bible says. We, we, were, we went to church with Ellie and the pastor. I, I really enjoyed some of, the th some of the things he said. And not trying to be critical of anybody. I, I was listening. I was like, wow, amen, hallelujah, woo. I mean, he had me on fire. Then he said some things. I'm like, what? I was sitting there like, holy cow, did he just say that? And I looked at Ellie after the sermon. I said, so let me see if I raised you right. <laughs> was there anything that you were like, what? What in the world? And she right away, bing, 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 bing. Praise God. <laughs> you know who that was? That wasn't my daughter. That was the Holy Spirit inside of my daughter. It is the Holy Spirit inside of us that allows us to amen when it's true and to say, what did he say again? Did I get that? When it's wrong. And if you have that, praise the living God. Because John is going to tell us later, that's a sure sign that we are saved. You have an anointing from the Holy One. You understand truth. This is called illumination. We are never alone when we are having our Bible devotions and we're studying the Bible, we are never alone. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us to help us to understand what the Bible says. Doesn't mean it's easy. There's a lot of things in it that blow me away. But praise God that we have the Holy Spirit that we can see things and understand them because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. I remember for months I was reading the Bible before I was saved. I couldn't understand anything. But now there's an anointing from the Holy One. And look what he says here in verse 20. He says, and you all what? Know. Now don't miss this. He doesn't say, you know all. <laughs> Praise God. Because if you know all, I wanna, I'll ask you a few questions that you probably don't know. This guy's about to get ordained down in Pueblo West. And he said, so you got any, you know, we were talking about some things. And I said, you know what? There's nothing wrong in your ordination in telling the people, I just don't know what you're asking me. Because there's a lot that we don't know. But some people have to say, I, I know it all. You don't know it all. We don't know it all. He doesn't say you know it all. He says you all know. There's a difference. What do we know? <laughs> and we should know. And have to know. So I wrote 85 things we should know. Right. Not one amen. Why are you looking at me? No, I not that many. I'm just, just in the book of John. Watch this. What we should know. You should all know here. Here it is. We know that it's the last hour. We know it. We're not thinking about it, wondering about it. We know we live in the last hour, in the last times. We know it because the Holy Spirit is inside of us and enables us to know this. You know what else we know? Here's what's amazing. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Yes. I can't wait to get to 1 John 3 in another five months. But we know that we shall be like him. It's an amazing passage. Praise God for that. You know what else we know? We know that when he appeared, he came to take away sins. We know that. Jesus didn't just come on the earth to do it. He came on the earth to take away sins. Watch this. What else we know? We know love. Yes. How do we know love? He laid down his life for us. So we have experienced love. We understand love. We know what true love is because Jesus gave his life for us. Now the verse doesn't end there. He says, now we need to give our lives for one another. We'll talk about that, Lord willing, in another nine months. Look at this here. 
Why else, else we know? We know that he abides in us. How do you know God's with you? How do you know that God is with you? We know because we have the spirit of God. We know this. I know that God is with me because the spirit of God is coming. I have the anointing by the spirit of God. You know what else I know? And I have no doubt about? I know, we know that we have eternal life. I love this. You sneeze on that one. We know it. You know how we know it? Some people wonder, oh, I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven. I don't know. No, John didn't write these things that you may think about or hope that maybe. No, he, he says, I write these things that you know. He says, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. It is black or white. It is as simple as that. And we know we have eternal life because we have the son. Want to know something else we know? How do you know God hears your prayers or not? We know that he hears whatever we ask if we ask according to his will. Here's what somebody says we ought to do. We ought to cultivate the heart of God because we will ask the things that he wants for us and he'll give us everything we want if we ask what he wants. You want to know something else we know? We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. Something is wrong when someone comes to God and no life is changed. We'll talk about that in about another 9 to 10, 11, 12 months. I don't know how long it's going to take us to get there. There's things we know. He says, you have the anointing, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and you know these things. And so when somebody comes and starts teaching things that are contrary to this, alarms ought to be going off inside of you and saying, bing, 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 something's wrong here. You know what else he says we know? I love this, verse 21. He says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie is of the truth. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, not only do you know all these things, but you know truth. And let me tell you something about truth. There is no little bit of lie in that truth. The moment they put a little bit of lie in the truth, it's all wrong. And we see it so often. People say, God loves you. Does he love us? But God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. True or false? But they put it in the same phrase. God loves you and wants you to be healthy and wealthy. God loves you and wants you to stop racism. True. But then they put a little bit of in, woke in there. Well, we need to love our community. True. But then they say, but people get saved without sharing the gospel. False. We can mow their lawns all we want. We can paint their houses all we want. No one will get saved unless we preach Jesus to them. And so they're, they're mixing the truth with a lie. And, and John says, no, no, you know the truth. You have the, the Spirit of God inside of you. You know the truth. And here's what you know. There's no little mixture of lie. And the moment you hear the mixture of lie in there, shut it off. Don't listen to it. Don't say, wow, that was so sweet today. It's wrong. It's all wrong. Because if it's not all right, it's all wrong. He says there's no lies in the truth. You say, Jeremy, I need help with this. How do I do this? I, I want to triumph against them, but they, they, they dupe me. I listen and I'm 
shocked what I hear, but sometimes I just hear it and say amen. So what can I do? Swindoll gives us three things, and I want us to leave with this. This is amazing. The first thing is we need to spend time in God's Word. You're not going to know it's false if you don't know it's true. Spend time in God's Word. Read it. You say, I can't understand. You have the anointing. You have the Holy Spirit to help help you. You're never alone when you spend time in God's Word. The Holy Spirit is helping us understand the God's Word. So spend time in God's Word. Know God's Word. The more we do, the lie detector, the built-in lie detector, detects those things and says, no way. Here's another one. Stand firm in your convictions. I don't care what anyone else says. It's what the Bible says. I've had a lot of people say to me, but no, 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 you can't say, no, that's okay. You don't get to decide truth. God does. He rules, we drool. He says what He says, and we bow down to Him. Things I may not like, things I, I, I may disagree and argue with Him about, but at the end of the day, He's right, I'm wrong. In fact, in Romans it says this, let God be true and everyone else a liar. So we stand firm in our convictions. Somebody says to you, you really believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Yes. You really believe that our leadership should lead the country in this way because the Bible says certain things? Yes. You really think that abortion is wrong? Yes. But the whole world accepts it. Why not you? We stand firm in our commitment. Let me tell you something. This is very hard. I know for our young people, Emma was even mentioning the other day, she was in school, she mentioned something in her class and got ripped to shreds by her classmates. It is hard to stand firm in our convictions. But we do. You know what else we do? We stay focused on Christ. Here's what helps us. At the end of the day, we stand before one. And his name is Jesus. I don't stand before a principal or even you when I die. I stand before one. And so we preach for one. We live for one. We stay focused on one. And we ask God, how will this please you? How, how, can, how can this please you? I, I want to live for you. And let me just tell you something that's the most important thing that he mentions here. And I love this. Do these things, but not in your own power, but always dependent on the Holy Spirit. Because we can't without Him. We need Him. And guess what? We have Him. Isn't that great? We have the anointing from Him. We've been set apart. We have the Holy Spirit. And we're able to discern truth by His grace. So ask Him before you have devotions. Help me to see this better. Help me to understand this. Ask Him before you go to church. Lord, I want to go there, but, but, but Lord, help me to understand the sermon better. Help me to understand, God, Your Word better. Help me to understand things. He will. Lord, when I hear things on the radio, and help me to discern truth. Help me not just to amen, hallelujah, everything I hear. Help me to have discernment. And guess what? The Holy Spirit will help us. Will help us. In fact, later on we're going to see that it says here, you don't need teachers, you got the Holy Spirit. Some people are going to say, all right, praise God, I don't have to go to church anymore. Amen, hallelujah. Uh-oh, wait, 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 uh, we'll talk about that in a week from now. But let me tell you this, you have everything you need to discern truth and error. 
by God's grace. And if you hear things and you amen them because they're true, praise God, that's the Holy Spirit. And if you go, bing, 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 that can't be true, praise God, that's the Holy Spirit. Depend upon Him. And allow Him to guide you into all truth. Because we are living in the world of antichrists, plural, who are distorting the truth, who are saying all kinds of things. And the saddest thing of all, people in the churches are listening and saying amen to them. God help us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful passage of Scripture. Oh God, I think of that lady who said, my favorite two preachers, Joe Osteen and John MacArthur. Very sincere in what she said. And Lord, yet not understanding between truth and error. God, there are clear marks of what an Antichrist is like. And Father, I pray that we would be able to discern them. But we can't do it in our own power. We need your Holy Spirit to help us. So help us to spend time in your word to understand truth. Help us, Lord, to stand firm in our convictions. And help us, Lord, to stay focused on Christ. Because one day we will stand before him. And we want to honor and glorify him. Thank you so much for who you are. And thank you so much for what you're doing. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.